0: So today we start off this new year with a Marian feast. We have a lot of Marian feasts in the church. Have you notice that, actually, there are about 350 various Marian feasts that occur throughout the year. Some of these are very local, like Our Lady of Knock or Our Lady of Pomar, that are local apparitions of the Blessed Virgin, which have become feasts in the greater church. But it's exciting that we look to the Blessed Virgin and today, especially to celebrate her as the mother of God. Now, of course, we've got Father Ed talking to you today. So the first thing you get is a history lesson, right? When in the Gospels and in the, throughout the New Testament, it's very clear that Jesus proclaims himself to be God. And that is a very unusual thing that a human person especially a Jewish person, would proclaim himself to be God. To do so would mean that they would stone him instantly. And when you look back in the Old Testament, there were three different types of anointed people. There were the priests who offered sacrifices to God and prayed to God on behalf of the people, but none of them ever claimed to be God. There were prophets. Moses was the greatest of the prophets and many prophets who spoke the words of God to the people. And some of them worked miracles, some of them foretold the future others of them just proclaimed justice to the people but none of them ever claimed to be God for they knew if they did so they would instantly be stoned regardless of what else they had done and then there was the king the king was the was the judge of the nation and he judged through by the law of Moses and he tried to bring justice to the nation good kings worked hard to bring justice to the nation and bad kings were kind of like bad politicians today. They just lie in their own pockets. But wherever there was a king, they would never claim to be God. Now, a lot of pagan kings did. The Roman emperors, they all claimed to be God. There were many kings and emperors who claimed to be God. But a Jewish king can never do that because even though he were king, he would be instantly stoned to death. When Jesus came, he worked many miracles, and he did many things that only God could do. He walked on water. Only God can walk on water. We learned that in the first chapter of Genesis. He controlled the weather. Only God can control the weather. He raised the dead. He worked so many miracles. He, he fed 5,000 people with just a few loaves and fish. He did so many miracles proving that he was God. And then one day... When being questioned by the Pharisees, he made this statement. Before Abraham was, I am. And we've talked about how in the Old Testament, when in the burning bush, God appeared to Moses. That's the name of God that God gave to Moses. I am. He is claiming right there to be God. And you know what the people did? They all picked up stones. They wanted to stone him, even though he had done all these works and all these miracles. They still wanted to stone him because he just claimed to be God. Well, as that story goes, it says Jesus walked through their midst. They'd all picked up their stones and they want to throw them, but for some reason, they couldn't get their bodies to respond. They could not throw the stones. And Jesus simply walked through the midst of the crowd and left them. Wow, they must have thought. Maybe he is God. And then, of course, they crucified him, put him to death, but he rose from the dead and, he, of course, there are others that have been risen from the dead, like Lazarus. He rose from the dead as well. But, you know, Lazarus died later. But Jesus did not. Instead, he ascended into heaven to once again prove that he was God. It was such a difficult thing for these for these Jewish disciples to acknowledge and understand. This is, he is both human and God. He is fully man and fully God, gaining his human nature from the Blessed Virgin and his divine nature from the Holy Spirit. Fully God and fully man. That was a difficult concept for them. But they had it back to the end, after the ascension and the descent of the Holy Spirit, they got it. And they proclaimed this everywhere. In fact, St. Paul even writes that the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Jesus in bodily form. The fullness of the Godhead. Isn't that amazing? But of course, as time goes on and as the church begins to spread and it goes into Greek cultures, it goes into Persian cultures, it goes into a lot of other different types of cultures, as well as still the difficulties that the Jewish culture had with the concept of someone being God and man. It was a difficult thing. And so later thinkers, who did not know? Who did not witness Jesus? Who did not even know the apostles? As we get go through the first couple of centuries, everybody either knows one of the apostles or had witnessed Jesus. But then you get into the third century, and you suddenly have people who are more philosophical than experiential. They believe in Christianity as a philosophical religion, but do not did not have the experience of Christ that marked the first couple of centuries of the church. And they came up with all kinds of other ideas. A man named Arius came up with the concept that Jesus was not born the son of God. He was not fully God. He was just an adopted son of God and adopted at his baptism. And God said, this is my son. He said, this is Jesus being adopted. Well, the emperor, the Roman emperor, who is at this point in Constantinople, he he liked that idea. Well, if God can adopt Jesus, maybe God can adopt me too. Maybe I can be like the... Roman emperors of old and become uh, become divine myself and there was a great controversy in the church and they had a um, that a council to settle the issue and the emperor made it clear whose side he was on that he wanted Arius's side to win but no it was the church said no Jesus is fully God and fully man and out of that um, council of course came that great Nicene Creed we say every Sunday and you and you can hear How in this creed, the Council of Nicaea is answering this question. True God from true God. Very God from very God. Begotten, not made. Co-eternal with the Father. They are defining Jesus as being God coming from this, from that council. Well, Arius didn't fare too well. And about a hundred years later, another philosopher, bishop by the name of Nestorius, he has another emperor on his side, an emperor of, the name of Theodosius, and Nestorius comes up with a different concept. But rather than try to attack Jesus directly, he decides to go through his mother. See, by the second century on, people used to refer to Mary as Theotokos, the one who bore God in her womb. We translate that in English, the Mother of God, but it really means the one who bore God in her womb. And so there was another council, and again, the, uh, the emperor, he not only let everybody know whose side he was on, he was on Nestorius' side. He, he didn't want Jesus to be fully God, he didn't want Jesus to be greater than the emperor. And he, in fact, he had even troops, armed troops, there to, to try to keep order. And it was a very contentious council. And uh, there were fist fights and yelling and screaming, but in the end, in the council, they said, we will, we will continue to call Mary Theotokos, the mother of God. See, wanted wanted her to be na- renamed Christotokos, the mother of Christ. But the council said, no, she is Theotokos. She is the mother of God. She did not bear the Messiah in her womb. She bore God in her womb. And from that day on, it has become a, a solemn profession of our faith that our Blessed Virgin Mary is the mother of God. She carried God in her womb. But you know what? She's also our mother. For those of us, particularly for those of us who are in Christ, she is our mother. Do you realize by by being the mother of God, the Blessed Virgin is a blood relative of the Holy Trinity? Let that blow your mind for a while. But she is also our mother. And she has had that role of mother of the church and really of all humanity. She is mother of the world. And she gives herself to the world. It's it's fascinating to me that God, Jesus taught us to call God as father. He taught us the prayer, our father. Now, he's not trying to give a gender to God, all right? but he taught us to relate to God as our father, as our provider, as our protector, as the one who watches over us. But oftentimes in the scripture, when it wants to talk to us about the deep love and affection of God, it switches and talks to us as talks about God as our mother. For example, in Isaiah. Isaiah writes, As a mother caresses her child, so I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. See, here, God is, is portrayed as a mother caressing her child. When, God, when the scriptures want to show us the tender love and compassion that is a mother's love, it returns to this, this little switch here. Even Jesus. When Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem before his, as he's just entering into his, uh, into the, into his passion, really. He's, he's, this is in Passion Week. After his triumphal entry, he goes up to the Mount of Olives. He looks back down upon Jerusalem and he weeps for Jerusalem. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who are sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chick under her wings. But you are not willing. Here Jesus portrays himself as a mother hen so that we can see in this symbol his, um, his affection, a mother's affection for her children. But God has given us a mother. I was just recently uh, at a funeral. I was doing a funeral for a very godly woman who died recently, and they requested to have a rosary, said at the visitation, which was just prior to the funeral, and I did the last uh, mystery, Mary, Queen of Heaven, and I said to this family who had lost their matriarch, you know, her, many, for many of this shows their mother, others their grandmother, others their great-grandmother, and I said, God knows we always need a mother, always need a mother. And he has given us the blessed mother to always be our mother. Even when our natural mother goes to be with the Lord, we always have our blessed mother to watch over us, to care for us, to love us, and to pour the deep affection of God into us. It is a great thing to reflect here in the beginning of this year, Mary, the mother of God and our mother. That's why we are always so quick to take our petitions to the blessed virgin and say, my mother, intercede for me. and carry my petition to your son. He will not refuse you. No, never was it known. Never was it known that, that, her, that the son would refuse the mother of God. So... But today is also the World Day of Peace. And as we said in the opening antiphon, Mary brings to us the Prince of Peace. What a wonderful gift that she has brought into the world, the Prince of Peace, so that we don't need to be in conflict anymore. But more than that, Jesus says, peace I give you, but not as the world gives. My peace I give. The, peace, the best peace that the world can give us is the absence of conflict. If there was ever a moment in human history when there were no wars, and I don't know when that would be because first war, when there were only two brothers on the planet, they, they went to war with each other, right? Cain and Abel. But, but that's the, the best the world can give is the absence of conflict. But Jesus gives us his peace which is the very fulfillment of God's purpose for us. It's not just the absence of something negative like war or conflict. It is the gift of the fulfillment of God's purpose so that we can have a deep and abiding peace, knowing that we are being and doing that which we were created to be and do. So in this feast of Mary, Mother of God, on this world day of peace, let us surrender ourselves to the Prince of Peace and let us seek the Blessed Blessed Virgin Mary's intercession for greater peace in our own lives, our families, our communities, and the world. Let us go to God now in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your mother to be our mother. That you have ordained to become human through the perfect human of Mary, immaculately conceived so that she could bring into our world God himself. Precious Lord, we ask you to wash us of every stain of rebellion against your purpose in our lives. Give us grace, Lord, to be completely surrendered to you, that we might fulfill your purpose, know your peace, and carry your peace into the world. We pray to the Lord.